I was yelling, do you see it? Do you see it? And he's like, I see it. And I'm trying to get out of here. My fish tail me almost wrecked. And I'm still hanging out the window looking at that thing and it's in the tree and it's sitting there and it was bigger than a man. Believe it or not. The Unbelievable. Believe it. Ripley's Believe It or Not. Incomparable, inimitable, illimitable, inestimable, introducer of immeasurable, incalculable, incredible impossibility. Welcome to Ripley's Believe It or Not cast, the podcast that brings you deep into the strange, the bizarre, and the unusual. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brent. And so, Ryan, this week, we are getting two extremely strange, tragic stories in one. The first involves a giant Birdman creature, UFOs, clairvoyance, and a horrible tragedy, all wrapped up into a single folk legend that has varying degrees of truth. This story took place in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where each year the residents celebrate this sort of high strangeness with a festival, the Mothman Festival. Every year on the third weekend in September, thousands of people flood the streets of Point Pleasant to indulge and celebrate all things that resemble the winged creature that hundreds of people claim to have witnessed in the mid-1960s. If you attend the festival, the thing to do is to take your picture in front of a huge metal statue of the creature located in the town square. But at the same time, festival goers also pay homage to those who lost their lives in a real life horrible disaster that occurred around the same time. So this year we traveled to Point Pleasant for the festival and we asked cosplay Mothman enthusiasts what they thought happened in this sleepy little river town in 1966 and 1967. And in this episode, you'll hear their voices sort of scattered throughout the episode like this. My name's Lily. I'm from North Carolina. And whereabouts in North Carolina? Uh, Greater Charlotte area. Charlotte? Okay. I'm Wren. I'm from Boone, North Carolina. What, what is, what was, what, what did people see all those years ago? I think that, I think, I think it was Mothman. So you actually think it is kind of like what that statue looks like over there. Whether he looks like the statue or not, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it was just like a a weird bird and some illusions or something, but he's Mothman now, so that's what matters. Uh, I genuinely think it was Mothman. Um, I... There are some things in this world that can't be explained, and Mothman is certainly one of them. Now let's hop right into our story. This week, we're traveling back to 1966 to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, a city located at the confluence of the Ohio and the Kanawha Rivers, about 35 miles northeast of Huntington. Point Pleasant is a city with a total area of just three square miles, and it's historically significant because of the Battle of Point Pleasant, fought on October 10th, 1774 when about 1,000 Virginia militiamen defeated a similar-sized force of Shawnee and Mingo warriors led by Shawnee Chief Cornstalk. Locally, they celebrate this as the first battle of the American Revolutionary War, and in 1908, the U.S. Senate built a monument to commemorate it as such. And that battle will be important a bit later. Uh, About five miles north of the city is what the locals call the TNT area, 8,000 acres that were devoted to an ammunition manufacturing facility during World War II that employed a few thousand people at its peak. And for safety, the explosives were stored in bunkers. 
known locally as igloos, which were then disguised with a thick layer of earth that was placed on them. So after the war, the area was converted into a wildlife management area and landfill. And this was a place where teenagers would hang out and tag with graffiti, maybe um, unaware that the land was severely contaminated with explosive byproducts. So on November 12th, 1966, a grave digger working in a nearby town spotted something strange in the sky. He described it as a brown human being, the first sighting of what would become known as the Mothman, a tall, hairy, humanoid flying creature. After that, hundreds of others reported similar sightings, many of them teenagers in the TNT area. So let's introduce you to Linda Sigmund, who was 16 at the time and lived in the area. She and her family had all heard about the excitement of the winged man, and her father had specifically told her to stay away. Naturally, it was exactly where she and her boyfriend wanted to go, so they did. Oh, that's my boyfriend at the time picked me up about, uh, uh, probably about 7.30 in the evening. I don't think it was dark yet. And uh, he said he wanted to take me to a place and show me where we could overlook the river and sit in park, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it was kind of a lover's lane type of a place. So, um, but we went up on top of the hill over in Mason, West Virginia, which was as the crow flies from my house, less than five miles, probably straight across the river in through the hills. So we go across the bridge and we go out through an old strip mine. And there's a few houses out that way and up over the hill. And I've been out there since then. And it doesn't look anything like it used to. And now they blocked it off. You can't go out. But it was on top of a, um, a hill. Mason, West Virginia is in the foothills of West Virginia. So they're, they're rolling hills. They're not really mountains. Hmm. Uh, so uh, we go up there at the top of the hill. We pull in. We uh, stop. And it's getting dark. So he has a quilt in the back of his car. And we get it out of the back and take it and uh, turn the car around and we're sitting looking at the road where we came in which of course is a gravel road and we're sitting on top of his car which is a 57 Chevy nice and, <laughs> you know boom white 57 hard top convertible it was really good mm. cool car but we're sitting there just looking around you know and um, I look over to my right and I said you see that light over there in the sky and it as you look as you're sitting on the car as you look it's straight out it's eye level and it's uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, leaves on the tree this time of year it's april so you could see uh, the clouds and uh, the sky and this light would go in and out like a star about the size of a star it, st- it started out about the size of a star and it ended up as big as a full moon and when it became very visible to me as a full moon it looked like it came out it looked like it came out of another dimension I'm just going to tell what I saw Uh, it was red and orange and yellow it was beautiful when it came through the clouds and it sat there for a few seconds and it was behind us kind of maybe 20 yards away through the trees and uh, we sat there and watched it a little bit and it started to move and uh, it was moving parallel 
from the way that we were setting. And by that time it was good and dark and uh, I said, what shall we do? What is that? Is that a plane? And he said, no, but um, maybe we better get in the car. And by that time, it that fast it was over top of the car. And it was a giant object, I suppose, 30 feet in circumference, maybe. Uh, underneath was almost like a cross, and it had white and blue lights. It didn't blink, it made no sound whatsoever. And uh, when it stopped above the car, the only thing I heard was the sound of, it sounded like a sucking noise, like a vacuum cleaner, like, like that. And, uh, I rem there's parts I remember and parts I don't and that was part of what I forgot at the time uh, but it wasn't anything I didn't remember later it, or forget later because I remember scuffling to get off the top of the car was hot and I fell and I fell on the ground and I looked up and that thing was still there and all I can remember, next I was in the car, on the seat, um, the passenger seat, and we tried to start the car and it wouldn't start. And I, instead of being afraid, I was more intrigued because of what led up to that, you know, it was kind of like the crescendo to all of it. Uh, finally the car started and we started to pull out, and then's when I saw the creature. Um, we were going, gravels were flying, and the thing that was above us was going straight ahead, and it started moving, it started moving really fast, and we moved really hard, turned to the left to get onto the road we came in on, and the creature flew to the right, up, over, and into the trees. And when I saw it, I was hanging out the window because at the time we didn't wear seatbelts. And I was yelling, do you see it? Do you see it? And he's like, I see it. And I'm trying to get out of here. My fish tail me almost wrecked. And I'm still hanging out the window looking at that thing and it's in the tree and it's sitting there. And it was, I say it was bigger than a man, eight feet maybe in length all of it the three the strange thing was it didn't flap its wings it had a next back to its body it was remind you someone said to me like superman i said that's exactly what it was like but it was black and it was dark and it flew up in the trees and we went on down over the hill and stopped at the coal mines and uh, sat there and got a breath and tried to gather herself and think about what we had seen. So it's late at night, Linda and her boyfriend go home where she learns that her parents had also seen some strange light in the sky. Her father told her he didn't want any government people or reporters coming to their house, so she was going to keep quiet about what they'd seen. For months, more and more sightings were reported. Journalists traveled to the small West Virginia town as the story went national, and for a while they called the creature the Birdman. Everyone seemed to wonder what was going on. And just to be clear, people we met at this year's festival are still debating this today. My name is Redmond Grigg, 
Redmond and, Grigg, and you're from? Uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. What do you believe it actually was? Or is? Uh, yeah, well, um, you, you know, I'm open to all of the possibilities, including that it's extraterrestrial or just cryptozoological. It uh, very well could be something that's completely scientific and we just don't understand it yet. And uh, things like... Um, Sandhill Crane and other stuff like that, I think, are just um, weak, weak um, arguments. Barn, but, barn owl. Well, I, I mean, if we are to believe people that said it chased them while they went 100 miles an hour in a car, there's no owl or crane that can do that. Susan Sayer was a child at the time, and she and her daughter Brittany now work at the Mothman Museum and the Point Pleasant Trading Company located on Main Street downtown. There were um, two couples, the Bennetts and this, uh, or no, not Bennetts, Mallets. I'm sorry. I'm asleep, but it was the Mallets and the Scarberries. And they went out there and they were driving in his new car. And they stopped at one of the end of the roads on Route 62. And they saw this thing appear before them. And they didn't know what it was. Obviously, they were frightened. Because it was about six feet tall, had big, beautiful wings, but these huge, glowing red eyes. And so, of course, they were freaked out. He starts driving really fast, upwards of 90 miles per hour, and it keeps up with them. So, they finally outrun this thing, and they still don't believe it. So, they go back, they're like, alright, we're going to go see what actually happened here. See if we see it again. So, they go back out. Well, let's see it again. So, they said, okay. We're going to go report this. So they go to the courthouse where the sheriff's office was and report it. And, of course, the sheriff's like, yeah, okay, you know, maybe. But, you know, it was the 60s and we're all country folk people, you know, pretty dependable, wouldn't make this stuff up. So they asked them each separately to do a description without anybody around just then. And the thing that I think convinced them was all of them had almost the exact same description word for word. Um, the one thing they all seemed to remember was big red eyes. So after that, um, weird things started happening. People started seeing whatever this creature was. There were UFOs, strange lights in the sky. Um, the men in black showed up. Those were um, people that we weren't sure um, what they were, but they would come to people that had seen this creature and ask them, you know, not to talk about anything that they knew. So I don't, I don't want to interrupt, oh, but I fine. just want to interject. So, Susan, you were living through this at Yes, the time. I was. I was a child. Did you see anything when you were a child? No, I did not see anything, but my dad was in the National Guard, and he was on active duty because of the UFOs, believe it or not. No, he uh, didn't. He did they see. They actually called the National yes, Guard into active duty. Yes, they kind of just kind of uh, hung out down here in town. Because people were seeing people, so many weird and things. And people were looking for Mothman. People had guns. They were going to kill it. You know, this was a big thing. So a bunch of people came into the town yes. wanting to hunt Hunt Mothman. for Mothman. Um and, and they then, called out the National Guard. Yes, they did. Not the whole unit, but, you know, a few. And then... Your dad. My dad. My grandpa. Your grandpa. Yes, yes, my dad. Your dad, your grandpa. Yes. So, uh, so what was... And how old were you at the time? You were, you were a little kid. I was uh, eight when the Mothman was seen. And, and I what was, was that like for you? Scary. 
like we I mean, like, we looked for him everywhere he went out. Everybody looked for him. I remember talking about it at school. But, you know, as a you rule. You talked about it at school. Oh, yeah. So you the know. teachers talked about it. Well, probably. Back yeah, then, teachers yeah. didn't talk a lot about it. You know, it was no nonsense. So you grew up thinking monsters were real. Well, yeah. And What I, did you think it was? Well, my dad, again, being in the National Guard, was in maintenance unit. And up in the TNT, he used to test vehicles. So he had seen uh, two-headed fish, wildlife that were mutated. Who am I to say there wasn't something out there that had mutated into something? I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to question it. So I, uh, we had to laugh because in one of the documentaries, it's talking about two National Guardsmen out into the TNT. And it kind of, oh, that was my dad who had seen something in a tree. But I don't directly remember him telling me that. Uh, it's just kind of in the back of my mind. I may have heard him talking to my mother about it. Huh. My mother would have said, don't tell people that because they're going to think you're crazy. So but he also saw lights in the sky. So was it a monster? A mutated human-bird hybrid? The figment of a lot of imaginations? Scientists at the time noted it could be a sandhill crane or possibly a barn owl, uh, both of which can have impressive wingspans and reflective eyes. Uh, but during the uh, Mothman Festival, we met Rachel and Cody, who were sleeping just outside of town in a tent, and we wondered what they thought actually happened. Uh, I'm Rachel. I'm Cody. We're from a, a little north of Atlanta. We drove up uh, on Friday morning. Yep. It took about eight hours. Just for the Mothman Festival. And we couldn't get a hotel, so we're camping. <laughs> no <laughs> way. In a, yeah. a two-person tent. In a two-person tent. Where is the tent? It's like six miles away. Yeah. So obviously you know of the legend. Yes. And uh, you know, I, I'm not yeah. telling you guys anything new. What is it? What's the theory? What is? I've heard a lot of stuff today. Bro, I always just assume aliens. Well, we were talking about it last night where he showed up. And then the bridge collapsed, and everybody's like, oh, he's trying to warn us. And I was thinking they're giving him way too much credit. I mean, if this guy showed up and then the bridge collapsed, I think this guy has something to do with it, right? The television show and comic Batman had gotten very popular around that time, so some clever newspaper editor coined the name Mothman, and it stuck. And for the next year, the town was inundated with visitors wanting to experience the weirdness. It all led up to a tragedy, something that locals who lived through it will never forget. And some still wonder if the Mothman might have caused the disaster. The Silver Bridge, known as Route 35, connects West Virginia to Ohio. It was built in 1928, and Linda Sigmund says that in 1967, she had a feeling that something wasn't right. I had I always had weird feelings like something was going to happen. And, uh, to, to that bridge, specifically? Uh, well, when we used to sit on it, and of course it would swing back and forth so far that you were you would think that thing was going to go on over, you know, back and forth and back and forth and then on over. And we, of course, we got kind of a kick out of it. But I always felt kind of odd, like it, you know, I, I shouldn't be down there. I shouldn't be on it. And uh, so over the years of growing up, it caused me a lot of post-traumatic stress. And I would have dreams and I dreamed about people again in the river and I saw packages floating, you know, and people crying and babies crying. And I heard uh, the, the cars crashing. I had that dream before it happened. I told my mother. 
was a major route south, Route 35, uh, always traffic on it. Little old two-lane bridge that swayed when you got on it. I remember that distinctively. Um, it was scary. <laughs> so it was light on this end, light on that end. It was always full of traffic. So I remember about the bridge falling like it was yesterday. So you were 10? I was 10. And this was December? 1967. 13 December. months to the day of the first Maltman sighting. And this is December of, of that year? Yeah, December 15th, 1967. So uh, was it, it was later in the day? It was after Our work? Rush hour yes, traffic. Rush hour. And we had a bunch of cars on the bridge. Yes, and tractor trailers. Again, major route south and north. And people were getting off work mm -hmm. and, and shopping over in that place. And, uh, For Christmas. Right. So, and at about uh, between five and six, is that right? It was about five oh five. Yeah, five oh five. Mm -hmm. The bridge comes down completely. Not like in the movie. There was no time was to go. No hey, time it's falling. To warn people there. <laughs> it went. And this results in how many people passing uh, away? Forty six. Forty six people has passed. Been found. It was a girl that I was in school with, ten years old. Oh. Kathy Bias. So you were in school with some of the kids. Yes. Oh wow. We well, we're a small community, sure. so we knew everybody except for maybe the truck drivers passing sure. through. Wow. So, and now we know the cause of yes, of yes. it and. Why did it happen again? It was a rusted, um, it's an I-bar suspension bridge, yeah. and there was um, a rusted, corroded piece, and I believe it was the 13th I-bar. There's yeah. lots of 13th. That's very bad. Um, that piece that broke the bridge, per se. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it was just that one little corroded piece. Snap, caused the whole thing to come down. Legend has it that someone saw the Mothman the day before the bridge collapsed. Could it be that the creature was some kind of harbinger, something that foretold this tragedy? Or was it something even more paranormal? <laughs> that, was a little, that was a little dramatic. <laughs> It's more of a probably just who you ask, but it's a it's kind of a just a myth. Maybe maybe yeah, not. Yeah, no one local that I talked to knew or had seen the Mothman there at the bridge, and we were here within two minutes of it falling. And when it came down and the ensuing kind of trying to get over all of that disaster, is that when all of the kind of high strangeness stopped? Mm -hmm. They haven't yes. officially seen Mothman no. in this area since then. And there haven't been any other UFOs, men in black, nothing. Um, there was more to life than what we realized. And uh, the older I get, the more I realize, the more I see. And the more I, I become to know, and the more I want to know. Uh, so sometimes it leaves me with more questions than answers. But I think that instead of calling it, or him, or she, or they, a harbinger of doom, I think that, uh, you know, it is somebody more like a guardian. Yes, I think it's from another dimension. But I think he's, he was here, and I think he's still here, and I think he's to warn us and to warn people, certain people, um, groups of people, not necessarily Native Americans, but I think that uh, Chief Bornstock had knowing. I think he was, he had more to him than what he, you know, what he knew even. And I think that, uh, being part of the family kind of 
um, I think it, I think they watch. They're a watcher, and I think that's what he is. I don't think he's anything that's ever going to harm anybody. Okay, so just to get this straight, Linda thinks that the Mothman travels between dimensions to warn people about um, things like the tragedy of the bridge disaster. Do I, am I am I close? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But I think there there might be some other theories about it as well. Um, maybe it's something that that Chief Cornstalk conjured up, um, maybe to to curse the the area. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that have different theories. See, Linda has discovered something that that nobody else has really put together. Uh, remember how we talked about Chief Cornstalk back in the day fighting the Virginia troops? Well, that turns out that the chief is supposed to have put a curse on the land. After the Battle of Point Pleasant, the chief became an advocate for peace, but later he and his son were murdered while they were on a diplomatic visit to the area fort in 1777. Before he died, it was reported that the chief cursed the area, saying the people would be paralyzed by the stain of our blood. When Linda started researching the topic, she discovered she was related to Cornstalk. And not only that, many of the others who'd seen the Mothman were related to the chief, too. Anyway, when when he was uh, murdered, he supposedly put a curse on the area and said that, uh, you know, there would be horrible things happen there from then on. Um, As a descendant, I'm not certain I really believe in that. But there have been a lot of horrible things happen, and from that time on, um, there have been a lot of plane crashes and floods, and um, of course, uh, the, the falling of the Silver Bridge and the sighting of the Mothman and other creatures. Huh. And a lot of people have blamed it on Chief Cornstalk. And when I found out that uh, I was related to Chief Cornstalk, I kind of did a little bit of research and found out that a lot of the people that happened to see Mothman during this era were related to uh, the Shawnee Chief Cornstalk in one way or another. And I think there's a lot that's that's coming out. And I think there's a lot we're going to be knowing within the next year or two. Uh, So the Mothman and these objects that you saw are tied together in some way because they came from the same place? Is that the idea? They all do. Mothman, Bigfoot, UFOs, they all come. They're interdimensional beings as far as... So you you believe in that all-connected theory, basically? Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm a Christian, so that doesn't really hurt my belief system. I just think that God created us. He created other beings too. And, uh, but that is, that's what I believe. I believe he was here to warn us and to save us. He certainly scared me into not going down there anymore and looking around. <laughs> Over the years, the legend of the Mothman continued to grow, especially after 1975 when the best-selling book, The Mothman Prophecies, came out, which was made into a movie in 2002. And while we may never know exactly what was seen in West Virginia all those years ago, we do know there are still sightings of the Mothman even today. Vice reported 55 sightings of a man-bird-like creature in Chicago in 2017 alone. So author Brent Rains wrote his own book related to all of this, and he was, of course, selling it at the Mothman Festival. Okay, well, uh, my name is Brent Rains, and I grew up in uh, Hollowell, Maine, 
uh, right near the capital of Augusta. And um, I, at age 14 in January of 1967, I decided I was going to become a ufologist. And so I've, it'll, you know, this coming January, it'll have been 53 years. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I started a little mimeograph newsletter back there in the late 60s uh, called Scientific Sauceritis Review. Uh, so after all this time, I just want to know what your theory is. What do you, what do you think they saw? Or is there uh, not a way to, to come up with one one theory. Well, I kind of lean toward uh, Keels and the late Rosemary Guiley's and other people's theory that, you know, in Valley, that it's a little more complicated than just the ET visitation. It's more of a um, something that's been with us quite a while. I mean, there's stories like this that go back centuries and centuries with similarities to these, you know, different creatures, the, the beings, the, the unusual objects being observed in the sky. And I, I just think that this is a, a long, ongoing mystery um, that uh, is still with us. We, of course, would like to thank everyone who talked with us for this episode, especially Linda Sigmund, Brittany and Susan Sayer, and author Brent Rains, whose latest book, John Keel, The Man, The Myth, and The Ongoing Mysteries is available anywhere and everywhere. So, Ryan, Point Pleasant isn't the only place that's legendary in West Virginia. Check out our website, ripleys.com, and learn about the town of Romney, West Virginia, which changed hands between the Union and the Confederacy 56 times during the Civil War. Believe it or not. Learn that and all kinds of other amazing facts about West Virginia and the Civil War at ripleys.com. In this episode, we've learned a lot about the cryptid known as the Mothman. But did you know that sightings of large, winged creatures, also known as Thunderbirds, have been reported for hundreds of years, ever since they were featured in tales told by Native American tribes of the Pacific Northwest and the Great Lakes regions? In his book, Unexplained, Jerome Clark lists several stories of sightings, including one from 1969, where the wife of a Clinton County, Pennsylvania sheriff saw an enormous bird over Little Pine Creek. She said its wingspan appeared to be as long as the width of the creek, which was 75 feet. In 1977, the Boston Evening Globe reported how two large birds with eight-foot wingspans tried to abduct a 10-year-old child and carry it away. The birds were thwarted when the child fought back, as I'm guessing each of us probably would. More contemporary sightings include one from 2018, where the Juno Empire in Alaska reported several people seeing a bird with an estimated 20-foot wingspan. While some thought the bird could be an albatross or an eagle, those birds' wingspans are no larger than 6 to 8 feet. So if people really been seeing giant birds for hundreds of years, we can't say for certain. But wherever people report seeing something strange, and wherever it may be across the world, we at Ripley's will be there to investigate, and then we'll share that story with you. Believe us or not. Believe it or not. 
Ripley's Believe It or Not cast is produced by myself, Ryan Clark, and Sabrina Seek. I edit the show. Our executive producer is Amanda Joyner. The Notcast is recorded at the historic Herzog Studio, home of the nonprofit Cincinnati USA Music Heritage Foundation. Visit Herzog in person or sign up online at herzogmusic.com. The Notcast intro theme was put together by Colton Cruz, and our ending theme song is by the band Wussy. If you enjoyed this episode, go tap that fifth star on Apple Podcasts, please. If you have comments, questions, or ideas, email us at notcast at ripleys.com or tweet at ripleys. Be sure to catch the Notcast next week when we travel to Santa Fe, New Mexico for an exclusive interview with Forrest Fenn, a modern-day Indiana Jones who became famous when he revealed he'd hidden millions of dollars of treasure somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. Just where is the treasure of Forest Fen? See if you can figure it out after next week's Ripley's Believe It or Not cast. Okay, my look is going to start with an uh, Arda Wigs uh, short black wig on my head. I've got two large ostrich feathers stuck into the wig. Um, I'm wearing some cool uh, cropped black overalls with a black button up top. And uh, why are you Aura Boots with the moon cut out? Uh, I am kind of doing a e-boy Mothman look. Uh, so I've got shredded jeans with fishnets and furry boots, and I have a t-shirt on that says Lamp Inspector, and a puff of black fur around my neck, some wings, a weird wig, and some feathers. So-